Welcome to Dig It. This is The Speaker. I'm here with my co-host, The Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Hey there. Hey there. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got heaps to get into today because things have been dropping pretty rapidly this week. We're going to talk a little bit about the withdrawal of troops in Syria. Edge is going to keep us up to date on the Ukraine updates, some whistleblower updates, and backdating of the whistleblower forms. Corey's going to talk a little bit about her article and HRC, a little bit about the UN losing funding and the CPS foster care system. And, and Durham. Durham. And Nunes. And Nunes. <laughs> we have a lot to squeeze in today. Uh, no, Man, see, stuff is dropping me. so fast. It's hard to keep up with all of it. It's awesome, though. Yep. It is, it is good. So what are we going to roll into first, ladies? Edge, hit Ukraine and all that good stuff. Okay, so a couple of key things that have developed in this Ukraine story. John Solomon came out and confirmed that back in February 2019, the Ukraine opened a new investigation into Hunter Biden's firm. And this was months prior to Trump's call with the Ukrainian president, which calls into question the timing of this whistleblower's complaint, which made no mention of this uh, investigation. So that's interesting. And then we have this tape that I referred to was like last week or the week before. We were talking about the Ukrainian anti-corruption official, Artem Sitnik, who was under investigation. He was caught on tape conspiring to help Hillary in the 2016 election. That tape was released this week here in the US and translated. And it does confirm that Sitnik was conspiring with the DNC to leak these unverified black ledger files on Paul Manafort to sway the 2016 election. I haven't seen much of that around. It's like the mainstream media staying away from these tapes. Well, obviously, we know why, but I haven't seen it blasted a lot around Twitter. I didn't see that going around too much. It was on Monday that that was released. Caught my eye because I was looking for that to drop. So that's interesting. And then we have the uh, an update on, on the whistleblowers and the impeachment news. So there are two whistleblowers now, but it's believed that the second whistleblower is the source for the first whistleblower. So the first whistleblower was based entirely off of hearsay. And the second whistleblower allegedly has a first person account of the phone call, which kind of narrows the field as far as who it could be. And there has been a lot of allegations and speculation as to who this second whistleblower may be. The ICIG Atkinson, who testified before the House Intel Committee, he revealed in this testimony stating that the whistleblower worked or had some type of professional relationship with one of the 2020 Democratic candidates. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no bias there. No, not at all. <laughs> also in the ICIG Atkinson's testimony, he acknowledged in his testimony that his office changed the whistleblower forms in September to allow hearsay for this first whistleblower, but refused to explain to lawmakers why those changes were backdated to August, which was the time of the filing of the whistleblower complaint. Nothing sus at all. No. <laughs> no. And meanwhile, Giuliani keeps saying that, you know, Adam Schiff's going to go. I mean, not go, but, you know, be removed from chairman of House Intel. Mm, I know that guy's lied a lot. I think Pelosi should go as well. I think the whole Democratic Party should go. Well, yeah. Too. 
I know. It's just that when when it's like red red handed visible for everyone to see, and I gotta believe that people on all sides saw this coming out of Schiff's mouth and Pelosi's mouth. Yeah, he's not been transparent at all. The special envoy to Ukraine, Kurt Volker, his testimony, uh, which was like nine hours long, Schiff cherry picked just a few text messages of Volker's. But the Republicans are calling for Schiff to release the entire testimony because they acclaim that this totally exonerates the president. So they're not being transparent at all. So one of the attorneys representing the whistleblowers used to report directly to the director of national intelligence, James Clapper. That's an interesting little piece of information that came out this week. Mm -hmm. So Trump's White House counsel sent a letter to the House Democrats in regards to them requesting documents and subpoenaing and depositions and so forth. And I'm just going to read a few bits and pieces of this letter from the White House counsel because it's just basically calling the House Dems out. And I love it. (laughs) (laughs) It says, these committees have ominously threatened without any legal basis and before the committees even issued a subpoena that any failure to appear in response to a mere letter request for deposition shall constitute evidence of obstruction. The suggestion that it would be somehow problematic for anyone to raise long-established executive branch confidentiality interests and privileges in response to a request for a deposition is legally unfounded. Mm -hmm. These points amount to nothing more than strong-arm tactics designed to rush proceedings without any any regard for due process and the rights of individuals of the executive branch. Basically, step off. Big F you. <laughs> yeah. And then we get the news yesterday that Trey Gowdy is now joining Trump's legal counsel against this whole impeachment. So that'll be a fun show to watch. I love Gowdy. Yeah. You know, I've seen some people say, oh, he's dirty. He's really a black hat and da da da. You know, we've been observing him for three years. I can't speak to his past. I've never dug in depth into him, but I haven't seen any level of uh, trickery or nefarious things or manipulative things that he's done or that have come out of his mouth in the last three years. Mm. That said, I think he's sharp as a freaking tack. Yeah. He's fearless. He's confident. He's witty, smart. He'll confront it head on. He just tears into him. So he's got a great bark. Let's hope his bite is just as good. There you go. Well said. 100%. Jump into a uh, serious speaker. Hey, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, things have been coming out the last couple of days. Well, Trump wants to pull troops out of northern Syria. Of course, it's not even that many troops. This is the thing. It's like 50 to 100 troops. It's not much. But Trump let out a tweet storm the other day. I'll read it to you because it's a really good one. He's been busy on Twitter. Yeah, he has. He has over the last Mm -hmm. couple of days, hasn't he? His tweet the other day said, The United States was supposed to be in Syria for 30 days. That was many years ago. We stayed and got deeper and deeper into battle with no aim in sight. When I arrived in Washington, ISIS was running rampant in the area, and we quickly defeated 100% of the ISIS caliphate, which is all correct from me, including capturing thousands of ISIS fighters, mostly from Europe, but Europe did not want them back. They said, you keep them USA. I said, no, we did you a great favor, and now you want us to hold them in the US prisons at tremendous cost. What he doesn't mention here is there's around 12,000 ISIS fighters that have been captured. So you can imagine that sort of fee that it's costs like keep these people yeah. locked up. Again, I said, no, uh, thinking as usual that the US is always 
was the sucker on NATO and on trade and on everything. The Kurds fought with us, but were paid massive amounts of money and equipment to do so. This is true. You armed them, you funded them. They've been fighting Turkey for decades. I held off on this fight. So Trump is keeping his promises here with pulling soldiers out of the Middle East, which there has been really massive opposing sides to. A lot of neocons coming out and never Trumpers chiming in. I've also seen veterans chiming in saying they completely back this decision. It's really funny. So the Australian Prime Minister came out fully supporting Trump. So it seems like Trump and Australia really mending some bridges here with the new PM that we got, Scott Morrison. Lindsey Graham, of course. Lindsey Graham, of course, totally disgusted with it, thinks it's the worst decision on the face of the earth. (laughs) Of course he does. He's neon conscious. One of those situations, it depends how you look at it, because I've I've seen a lot of conservatives too that are worried about it. I don't trust Turkey. I don't trust Turkey at all. They're the ones coming in, but it gets down to the point. How long do you guys want to stay in the Middle East? How long are your soldiers going to fight there for? 20 years? You've got these democratic politicians also virtue signaling and grandstanding like they always do. They don't want any war. They don't want all this. But then as soon as Trump makes a decision to actually do something about it and pull them out, it's like, no, 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 no. We have to stay in until it's stabilized, right? It it will never be stabilized. These tribes have been fighting for years. They've been fighting against each other for thousands of years, right? So what business do your troops have there apart from neon cons and liberals making money? I'm all for pulling the troops out. I think we need to focus over here on this country and I'm no war expert, but I trust our president and I think he's made good, solid decisions thus far. I don't want to see our soldiers over there. It's to a point now where, look, you can feel for the Kurds, but honestly, some of the Kurdish, uh, there's communist militia Kurds going on. It's just, it's such a messed up situation for people that want to grandstand and virtue signal and try to protect these other people. And and then you've got that, you know, it's going to cause some sort of problem on US soil. No, it's not. Your soldiers don't need to be there. And of course, you've got never Trumpers like Ben Shapiro and all that chiming in and saying he's two cents. But of course, they're never going to send their kids to fight. Leave it up to NATO. Leave it up to Turkey. Let them solve their own problems right? You, you've done enough. Honestly, like, I love you guys. But you guys caused a lot of problems over there as well. It really helped this situation. Right? <laughs> Honestly, you did. It wasn't under the Trump administration, but the other administrations really destabilized it, right? Leave it to Russia. Leave it to Assad. It's their land. It's their, let them deal with their own tribal problems. You've even had, like, the Minister of European Affairs came out and said France, Germany, and Britain are drafting a joint statement that would be extremely clear about the fact that they're very, very strongly and very firmly condemn the Turkish offensive. Okay, that's fine. Go in and send your own troops to do the work then. <laughs> right. That's right. Like, like, that's fine. You can condemn it all you want. You don't need to like it. But don't sit there and bark and then do nothing about it and then expect the US to become the world police and save you from everything. That's exactly that's- what they do expect because that's exactly what we have done in the past. And this time around, it's just a whole new ballgame. It's just really funny that you see all these people grant standing like they virtue signal and like they care and they want to stop war but when it comes to stopping war for your own people for your own soldiers that can actually go back to their families and their kids that don't need to fight someone else's conflict then they bitch about it yeah it's uh, it's beyond me i'm just pulling up Because I think we all pretty much saw the clip of HRC the other day, which I'll get into in a second. But I wanted to pull up PBS NewsHour. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton slammed President Trump's decision to withdraw (laughs) U.S. troops from northern Syria. 
of course she did. And she says this move was a betrayal of Kurdish allies and would lead to a resurgence of militancy in the region. This is what's so funny is watching Democrats be warmongers. (laughs) Uh So strange, isn't it? Watching bloody liberals can, like, you know, want to stay in war zones. What has happened to the party that was against Vietnam? It's unbelievable. Well, so Trump has been doing a really good job of goading Hillary lately. Yeah, yeah it's been so, so, which is interesting because this brings us back to last week where we were talking about when Steve Bannon first came out and said, oh, she's running. She's just looking where to fit in. So I did an article. Uh, Democrats have no play, no game, and no hope. And I kind of broke down the dropouts and the disillusioned, and I got into the um, Hillary thing about her running, and I honestly didn't believe she would run because it would be a three-peat for her, and her ego is far too large, and running in second position to Warren, I definitely couldn't see. But then a few days go by, and Trump kind of like starts playing off of Bannon's, you know, what he was saying about Hillary running, and he starts like goading her. And he says, he tweets out, so this was on on the 8th. I think the crooked Hillary Clinton should enter the race to try and steal it away from uber left Elizabeth Warren. Only one condition. The crooked one. The crooked one. I love that. <laughs> the crooked one. <laughs> must explain all of her high crimes and misdemeanors, including how and why she deleted 33,000 emails after getting subpoena. And then she responds and says, don't tempt me, do your job. And, and, and it continued, <laughs> it's continued. And he was goading her some more, really pushing her hard. And so she had gone on PBS and done an interview. And I haven't honestly listened to the whole thing, but I saw some of the clips saying, obviously I would win again. You know, maybe we should have a rematch. And of course she's yeah, referring to the popular vote, which there's, well, there's discrepancies in that as it is. But, but so, even then, that doesn't win you the presidency. No, it's delusional. <laughs> Delusional. You can say it's delusional, but she knows what she's doing. She she knows she's just trying to feed her base. Oh yeah. Say what you want. She's not stupid. So do you guys think she's gonna run, or do you think that it's all just a show? My gut's always told me she's not going to. I do feel like what's happening right now. I mean, honestly. The way Bannon came out and then Trump rolled with it and Hillary rolled with it. And I feel like this whole damn thing is like scripted and we're watching a movie. I mean, don't you feel like I know, that? Right? Yeah. 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 I like almost like, like definitely... Hillary's in on the script. <laughs> right. Well, I definitely feel like she's taking advantage of the moment. She wants the publicity. She wants 100%. to promote her book. The, the opportunity to try to discredit the president in any way and delegitimize him in any way. But she also wants this false sense of protection of possibly running for president. So if she's attacked, then she can claim they're attacking me because I'm a political opponent. Because if she's just in the private sector, she can't really claim that. And so maybe Maybe she's just playing the fence for as long as she can. We'll see if she jumps in. I think she's just really enjoying the limelight and the political cover that she thinks she has. She's also trying to help push for the impeachment. And I just watched a clip. It was actually, I believe, recorded on the 30th. I'm going to have to find that. I don't know why my jaw drops when I listen to her because nothing should shock me at this point. But it was probably her most brilliant masterpiece I've ever observed by her in projection. I was like <laughs> listening to her tell her story and she swapped out her name for Trump's. It was amazing. I mean, 
honest to God, this woman can lie like no other, like a pathological liar where she believes her own lies. If anyone's ever encountered a pathological liar in their life, you know, it's like real to them in their own world. So that's how she comes across to me. I've always said her and Obama mm -hmm. are two of the best sociopaths I've ever seen. They're yeah. incredibly great at lying and they're incredibly great at fooling and manipulating people. Why do you think they have so many followers and so much? It's like how you see people that infiltrate movements and something. They have such big followings and stuff like that. They're really good at playing people. Yeah, she's at the top there. They're going to use that and use her to keep pushing on and hammering this impeachment. I'm looking at the threads for me right now that's come up on my Twitter feed. So 335,000 tweets for Hillary at the moment. <laughs> and 600,000 on Syria. Wow. I was just going to roll into Durham with these investigations that are now expanding. We just found out. So Fox News did this exclusive. And uh, I'm just going to read like three little paragraphs here. So they say, John Durham, the U.S. attorney reviewing the origins of the 2016 counterintelligence investigation into Russia and the Trump campaign, is probing a wider timeline than previously known, according to multiple senior administration officials. Fox News previously reported that Durham would be reviewing the days leading up to the 2016 election and through the inauguration. However, based on what he has been finding, Durham has expanded his investigation, adding agents and resources, the senior administration official said. The timeline has grown from the beginning of the probe through the election and now has included a post-election timeline through the spring of 2017, up to when Robert Mueller was named special counsel. And then they go on to just say that, you know, Attorney General Bill Barr and Durham traveled to Italy recently to talk to law enforcement officials there about the probe and have also had conversations with officials in the UK and Australia about the investigation. So that was probably one of the sweetest drops we've heard in a long time. Yeah, it was. I want to expand on what you just yeah. mentioned. Okay, so this timeline increasing to the spring of 2017, and that's key when, when Mueller was appointed as special counsel. So a couple points I want to make on that is that during Mueller's testimony, he may have lied under oath when he claimed before Congress that he was not interviewing for the position of the FBI director when he met with Trump in the Oval Office of the spring of 2017. And multiple sources have contradicted Mueller's testimony and said that he was indeed pursuing the position of FBI director the week following the firing of James Comey. And then also this development in an email in May of 2017, Rod Rosenstein had emailed Mueller and said, the boss doesn't know about our discussions, referring to the discussion that Rosenstein and Mueller had had regarding Rosenstein appointing Mueller as special counsel. So the day after Mueller met with Trump mm -hmm. regarding this FBI director position, the day after that is when Rosenstein appointed Mueller as special counsel. And so Durham's investigation has expanded to that point of when Mueller was appointed special counsel. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting indeed. And hey, as they continue, it may expand beyond September 2017. So we'll see. And then we also got news. This was another fantastic piece of news that the UN has sadly lost 30% of its funding. Yay. So <laughs> Yay. You beat me, beat me to it. That'll oh, put a dent in their 2030 agenda. Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of that has to do with Trump pulling out of funding. Yeah. 
<laughs> you born out of everything to do with the U.S. I love it. Right? We still have a lot of dollars going to the U.N. right oh, now. Of course. I was poking around in there last night looking at the budget. But 129 member states have paid, 64 have not. And the Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, informed them that as a result of the 30% underpayment by member states, especially the Trump administration, they are nearly insolvent. So... He had asked his staff to implement emergency savings, including curtailing areas of work, non-essential travel, and energy conservation. So they could run out of money by the end of October. (laughs) I know, I love it. Hallelujah. If anyone has studied the UN and all the scandals and scheming and... God, I mean, they even, they play a huge part in this book I'm working on right now as well. And they're like this organization of, of privacy and no one's allowed access and no one can see their books and no one can audit them. And it, it's just, it's all scandalous. And they are completely behind the 2030 agenda, which we won't get into, but it's like a one world governance. And I think by now, I hope most people are aware of these plans for open borders, one world governance. I, and I, I think we should do a whole show on the 2030 agenda. Yeah, we should do that sometime. You're right. Good idea. And then in other good news, Devin Nunes comes out and he's, so he has the case going in court against Twitter and the judge just ruled that Twitter can be held accountable for its negligence. So the case is moving forward. Boom. That's Thanks so awesome. Up, people. Finally, some kind of accountability for the shadow banning, the loss of followers, the complete censorship of conservatives on Twitter. Yeah, so this will be interesting because this could open the doors for some nice class action suits, I think. I think so. We definitely need to keep an eye on that. Yeah, I'll be happy to jump in on a class action. I've I've freaking had it. (laughs) Hey, let's all do it. The day that news dropped, I like rarely go on like a venting rant on Twitter, you know. I was just so frustrated because I've been watching followers being ticked off, like ticked off the numbers. They're unfollowing my followers and I don't give a rat's ass about the numbers. I don't care. I just want to know that people are getting the information. And when they're unfollowing people, they are not going to see my tweets unless somebody they know retweeted it. And I get tons of people saying they even have me set up in their uh, notifications and it's not notifying them. And, you know, some people chime in and say, I don't worry about the numbers because everyone's still seeing it. Well, no, that's not true. They're censoring and shadow banning the hell out of it. So people aren't seeing it. I have people telling me they haven't seen my stuff show for weeks. They have to, most people have to go to my page. And the difference between Twitter and YouTube is, whereas YouTube We'll take your numbers and show, like, freeze your numbers or flip them backwards. We've got plenty of people that have done video clips on this just to prove it and show the numbers ticking backwards. Happens to us every week. Yeah, yeah. And they're altering the views to skew the minds of people looking at it going, ah, not that many people have watched it, so maybe it's not so good. Perception. That's different. That's perception. But with Twitter, they're literally physically unfollowing people so that, there's no way they're going to see your stuff unless they see somebody else retweeted it. So 
It's infuriating. It is. And so you tweeted that out and let me guess, it got shadow banned. No, actually. I went on like a, I don't even know, like a four or five tweet little thread there. I was ticked off. Yeah, she let it out. I did. And it actually, a lot of people, you know, of course, relate to it. No, that one actually got a lot of retweets, ironically. So, (laughs) Especially as like content creators like we are. And we put out these things and we spend a lot of time writing articles and making videos and stuff like that. So when YouTube does skew your views or when Mm -hmm. Twitter does, pull you off it's infuriating and it's frustrating because you want to get this out to people and you want and you want the world to learn right and 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 you put you're, you're putting your heart and soul into making it and when they do that it does play with your mindset and, and, and it, it does play with with your own personal ability like uh, am i not making something good enough or is this quality not good enough is my writing not good enough it starts playing on personal perceptions as well. It's tough. It's a yeah. tough battle. Tough. I always say we're just swimming upstream. It's an endurance game. Oh, um, really? Yeah. For us, it is, yeah. Just sticking with it, staying positive, pressing forward. The message eventually gets out. It's just a lot of work to get it out. It's good to have a good group as well, people you can rely on. That's really important. Right. You know what I mean? So you can like talk to each other and let your frustrations out with each other. <laughs> Like the three of us do. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's not good holding that shit. Yeah. Well, and listen, there's one important drop that came out that Patrick Holly did on the Epoch Times, and I don't think it went viral enough. People need to know about this because this was huge, and I'm going to put the link under the video. So let me read this. This is about CPS and the foster care system. The Department of Health and Human Services confirms that it is discussing the role foster care plays in the child sex trafficking problems in the United States. The Trump administration stressed on the day of its advisory committee's recent child trafficking meeting that it seeks comments from the public to help combat the problem. The National Advisory Committee on the Sex Trafficking of Children and Youth in the United States has discussed vulnerabilities of children and youth who have interacted with foster care systems and is working on recommendations for professionals in these settings. We encourage everyone with specific ideas or recommendations to submit them in writing for the members' consideration. If you have comments for the committee, contact, da, da, da. And I'll put that information in here. So the Trump administration's increased promotion of its efforts to engage the public comes amid increasingly vocal concerns about the CPS and foster care system. Because we have all like thousands of us across social media platforms have been trying to raise awareness about this for a long time. And they even in their recent, in the 2019 persons in human trafficking or human trafficking and in persons, I believe it's what it's called. I have it in my file drawer on my site if anyone wants to review it. But the State Department put that out every year and they In the 2019 one, they specifically stated in there that the foster care system is a big target where they prey on the children for trafficking them. And so I was just, I mean, you guys know, I've done a lot of dark work with the whole spending hours upon hours in that dark world to report on it and to see something like this where they're taking ideas and recommendations and, you know, information and whistleblowers as well on this is a huge step in the right direction. Yeah, it is huge. They're acknowledging it and definitely cleaning out the corruption in that system. Yeah. It's a slow walk, but over the last three years, how amazing is it the steps that have been taken though Mm -hmm. in all of these fields to start making some sort of effort to change them? Right. Very impressive. It is. I'll definitely be sending them some information. I have plenty Plenty of reports to send them. I also have information on Nest that I've never gone public with, and I will be happy to send them that as well. Just send them your whole site. Be like, (laughs) have at it. 
<laughs> Knock yourself out. And by the way, what's going on with the five judges in Florida around the foster care system? Can you please look into that for me? <laughs> right? <sighs> no yawning aloud. I'm allowed to yawn, okay? Because it's 6.30 yeah, it's early in the morning. There. <laughs> I wake up to do this part. I have to drive down to the office. I can't even podcast them from home. Speaking of class action lawsuits, I'm going to start doing one for this internet soon. You gonna... need to. It's ridiculous. They still haven't gotten your internet right. How many right. weeks has it been now? It's getting close to a month. It will be a month. Man, I would have gone crazy on some That's a, It's a long time in the modern world to go without internet. Good thing you have the office that still has internet. Otherwise, speaker would not be on our podcasts. I'm camping here. People don't know what's going on. They just don't think I I have a half anymore. Well, guys, I have a feeling that the first two and a half days of this week, like we haven't seen nothing yet. I think that everything's just going to keep amping up. I'm anxious to see what else comes out of this week. Of course, we don't publish this until Friday. So if we miss stuff on here, guys, it's because we record on Wednesdays. Edge needs time to do her awesome editing work, making sure we get all the links and everything. So yeah, she's been working pretty hard. She just put out uh, another Epstein video with a Swedish dig that she made the other day. So if you haven't seen that check that out on hive mind there we go all right guys this has been a busy week and it will probably keep snowballing i'm looking forward to the avalanche thanks for listening to us here on dig it with Corey's digs the speaker and myself the sharp edge be sure to check out all the links in the description below and don't forget to share like subscribe and hit that bell we'll see you back next time right here on dig it stay ravenous <laughs> awesome